Ink and Quill illuminates on literature, culture and beyond. That's cool, isn't it? Listen to the sound of some incredible readings. The Great Wall story is the story of the relationship. The imagery in China is so strong. It's a book about the human story. Ink and Quill. Something provoking. We have to think like a queen. Something thoughtful. History's fantasy, really. Something fun. See some naughty people trying to steal panda cubs. All here on Ink and Quill. Discovering literature and following the stories behind your favorite authors. This is Ink and Quill. I'm your host, Yang Yong. We know bravery when we see it. Bravery can range from running through a collapsing building to save a trapped stranger, to standing up against an evidently much stronger individual. It can also turn out to be some action as simply as a little child overcoming their fear of the dark. Yes, there are a myriad of ways to be brave in this world. So in today's program. We will learn the various forms of bravery and how this admirable quality can be found in some of the most unlikely places. But first, let's listen to a story in which kindness requires courage, understanding, and tolerance. Listeners, imagine you are walking down the street and someone with a severe facial deformity comes into your path. How would you react? Throw a smile and give a polite nod, or gasp, stare, and then awkwardly avert your gaze. According to Zhang Xiaoqing, an editor from the publishing house Shanghai Ninety Nine, when New York-based graphic designer R. J. Plasio, also known as Raquel Haramicho, got caught in a similar situation eleven years ago, her reaction spawned a non-expected result. One day, she took off her two sons for ice cream. Outside the ice cream parlor, they encountered a little girl who appeared to have some facial defects. Her youngest began to cry in fear, and her eldest looked stunned. Trying to protect the girl's feeling, Plasio grabbed her children and fled. Later, she realized that her response might have brought more discomfort to the little girl and her family. That evening, Plasio accidentally heard the song "Wonder" by Natalie Merchant, which is sung from the perspective of a child born with congenital disease. The song, coupled with the chance meeting earlier, inspired her to put pen to paper. So, also wanted to know how a family with such an unusual child could face up to the world. That's how her brilliant novel "Wonder" came into being. My name is Augie Pullman. Next week, I start fifth grade, and since I've never been to real school before, I'm pretty much totally petrified. A New York Times bestseller, the book Wonder, recounts a year in the life of August Pullman, or Augie, as everyone calls him, suffering from a grave craniofacial condition caused by a rare genetic condition. The ten-year-old has endured twenty-seven operations since birth, which left his face. Well, in the boy's own words, whatever you are thinking is probably worse. Homeschooled for years, Augie is pretty content with staying within the comfort zone created by his family and neighborhood. But much to his dismay, his parents have decided to pop the bubble. And sent him to a mainstream school. That is when the true drama begins to unfold. 
Can you hear me? If they stare, let them stare. You can't blend in when you were born to stand out. Inevitably, Augie's first year at Beecher Prep has been rough. Just like his father once gave away in an unguarded moment, being at school for Augie is like a lamb in a slaughter. Due to his unique appearance, the boy has been mocked, bullied, isolated, and once betrayed by peers whom he had once considered friends. Kids in school even create a cruel game called plague, where children would be infected with disease if they touched Augie. To certain readers, the school bullying narrative in the book might go beyond the pale of the usual light-hearted and giggly happy children's stories. Yet Zhang Xiaoqing, editor of the Chinese edition of Wonder, reasons that despite the heart-wrenching and brutally realistic descriptions of bullying at school, the novel is overall uplifting with no pity or moral judgment. 有些时候，我们家长会觉得说，哎，孩子去到学校就希望给他一个好像是非常非常无菌的保养箱里面。Sometimes parents tend to believe that school is some sort of sterile, harmless incubator, but in fact, school is a miniature society inundated with diverse conflicts. Children can be vicious, but they don't mean to hurt others. So careful guidance from adults, as well as giving love and tolerance, can dispel the malice and set things right. Self-conscious, wary, emotional, but also hopeful, Augie has gradually found courage to face the gauntlet of the fifth grade, as the boy gingerly stumbles his way into the complexity of friendship and boyhood. It's difficult not to feel empathy for this bright, playful young thing. After all, he's just an ordinary kid trying to fit in. With every page that turns, every tiny change that Augie makes, our feeling shifts from heartbroken to happy and proud, as if riding an emotional roller coaster. But Wanda doesn't solely focus on Augie. Through an ever-changing first-person narrative, we also get to experience the eventful life of our ten-year-old hero through the eyes of others, including his elder sister, classmates, and other kids he encounters. As R. J. Plasio meticulously highlights the nuances and complexities of the mindset of each character, readers not only better understand Augie from a panoramic perspective. But also have the opportunity to zoom into the inner state of a family, bullies, and bystanders around the victim of bullying. Editor Zhang Xiaoqing speaks highly of Plasio's writing style. If this school-related story was merely told from Archie's perspective, readers would be subject to his opinion and fail to see the whole picture. Since this story is told from different points of view, we are allowed to see many facets of many incidents. For example, in the book, Halloween becomes a defining moment for Archie. Thanks to Plasio's multiple narrative approach, the whole instance is able to be examined through the voices of Archie, his classmate Summer, and his friend turned bully Jack. And in that chapter of Jack, his family background is explained, which allows us to better understand his personality. I have to say, the writer has a knack for depicting the inner world of children. But one of the segments that is really worth mentioning is that about Augie's big sister Via. 
a caring teenage girl, she adores her baby brother and is fiercely protective of him. But at the same time, she also feels neglected by her parents. When we are moved by August's endeavor and bright personality, Via's frustration, loss, and guilt are also too painful to be ignored. When people tend to listen to the tales of unique individuals facing tremendous obstacles, the cry of those ordinary ones also rings true to us. Just like what she said in the book, her brother Archie is the sun. She and her parents are planets orbiting the sun. What she has gone through kind of reminds me of the similar situation in China. Since the release of the two-child policy, many households are having a second and even a third child. Under most circumstances, parents would focus more on children who appear to be weaker and need more affection and care. Deprived of enough attention from parents, the other child might experience unfairness and a sense of alienation, which should raise awareness of parents. An emotional tour de force that inspires both children and adults. Plus, Yu's wonder has become an international bestseller, selling five million copies worldwide since 2012. The author has also published several follow-up stories, which emphasize on the themes of kindness, tolerance, and empathy. A namesake film starring Jacob Tremblay from Room and Hollywood veterans Julia Roberts and Owen Wilson was also screened worldwide in 2017. I know you don't always like it, but I love it. It's my son's face. You are not ugly, Augie. You say that because you're my mom. Because I'm your mom, it counts the most. Because I know you the most. Held by mainstream media as a book that would make grown men weep. Wonder has even inspired the Choose Kindness movement to encourage fans and readers of all ages to join the fight against the bullying and practice random acts of kindness every day. When asked what creates the book's tremendous success, editor Zhang Xiaoqing replied, "I think this book queries our inner self and raises some soul-crushing questions." Such as how to choose kindness and whether we can generally embrace our own imperfections and those of others. If we were to bully Julian in the story, would we treat Archie with kindness? If we were Archie's classmate Summer, would we sit beside him during lunch break? I think what makes Archie Plasio a great writer is that she sends a simple yet very profound message. More often than not, choosing kindness is not easy. Sometimes you need to give up or sacrifice something, but once you choose to be kind, the joy you experience is indelible. Bestseller, smash hit, page turner. Ink and Quill delves into the very heart of the works that make us laugh, cry, and sigh. Welcome back. You are listening to Ink and Quill with Yang Yong. People always say that owning the weak and the foolish would give up. Yet, in the eyes of Chinese writer Zhang Chun, sometimes giving up is another form of bravery. Let's follow Xu Fei to hear her story. Owner of ice cream shops. 
founder of a public welfare program, editor in chief of a literature app. It's hard to choose the right word to describe what kind of person Zhang Chun is, but there is no doubt that she is a feet firmly planted on the ground writer. On Douban, one of China's hottest social networking websites, this budding author has constantly published over 600,000 words of diaries, notes, and essays on her daily life and the reflection of the world. During the past few years, her writings have been widely circulated online and elevated her to the most famous storytellers in cyberspace. Writing could be considered one of my hobbies. Whenever something meaningful happens to me, I want to record it in case I forget. Honestly, I write for self-entertainment. But after I publish them, those writings, which I thought are only related to myself, resonate for others too. The reaction from readers does surprise me. Selected 42 stories from John's blog entries. The miscellaneous, a moment in the life, or in Chinese, 一生里的某一刻 is a piece of writing to which you could often return. No trace of grand narrative or legend could be found here, but the lively display of trifles and conversations of the writer's life, particularly in terms of the first half of the book. The essays range in subjects from the swallow's nest under her roof to the adulatory yet good-natured shop assistants. Written in a light-hearted and a sort of amusing manner, these stories show a curious and keen mind about the world, a good humor in revealing her friends and a sharp eye for detail. In one of the chapters, Zhang Chun even meticulously writes about how the most common of foods taste the best, from popcorn, instant noodles to apple and even dog food. She depicts every moment of devouring with mind-boggling zeal. The words may not only make your mouth water, but also let their many readers be touched by the life-loving spirit of the writer. However, turning to the second half of the book, the bright and teasing tone of the book takes a shocking turn. Written in a sober and plain language, John pens down the death of her father and childhood friend, the entangled relationship with her elder brother, and her struggle with depression, which is no doubt a heavy blow to the face for this expecting a light literature. The writer explains the change of keynote of her book. We may share similar experience in our daily life. In the beginning, it is all about laughter and joy, but gradually you will be involved with an emotion that is more complicated and profound. Despite all the hardships and burdens in life, dramatic outbursts or shimaozi self-pity is rarely seen from Zhang's writings. Instead, candor and straightforward honesty lie between the lines. Which is far more powerful than many so-called self-help books. I don't need to go sentimental with myself. All I want to do is to record everything faithfully. There's nothing wrong with being honest. I don't care if people like my writing or not. But in my imagination, there will be a few people find comfort from my book when they feel lonely and sad. Maybe they will. 
At the end of the essay collection, Zhang is not shy about unveiling many personal aspects during her suffering from depression, even including those darkest and most perplexed moments. By throwing out questions that concern the significance of tribulation and existence, she seeks out the reconciliation with life. When you get depression, you feel meaningless. You fail to recognize whether your emotion is true or not, and you don't even remember if something happened. It's very scary. So when I felt that there's something wrong with me, I realized writing has become a kind of self-salvation, which helps me to reach out for something more authentic in life. Before that, I didn't think about it so earnestly. Thanks to her restrained attitude and incisive delineation of sorrow and joy, a moment in the life is hailed as the book of courage by the People's Literature Publishing House and has received much acclaim. But facing her popularity, the writer seems to be detached, since the only thing she wants to do is to be a good storyteller. In this mediocre life. What do ordinary people do to survive their inner world? What's on their minds, and what do they feel? I just want to explore stories that concern all these questions. They are the good stories in my mind, and the stories I could write. Thank you, Xu Fei, for introducing us to Chinese author Zhang Chun's essay collection, "A Moment in the Life," also in Chinese, 一生里的某一刻 Coming up, we will hear a fantasy story about the struggle of a young boy in a slum. We will be back after this short break. Snippets of timeless classics with ramblings on everything bookish. Ink and Quill connects you with literature, culture, and writers in China and around the globe. Avant-garde. Sensational and provocative, these words are commonly used to label the works of Chinese author Hong Ying. Whether these descriptions are accurate or not, this internationally acclaimed writer is best known for her heart-wrenching sensitivity and unabashed honesty in exploring the bygone days of a family and China, which credits her as one of the most controversial writers in the country. But in her work, *The Girl from the French Fort*, Hong Ying departs from her usual style by joining hands with the British illustrator Cherry Denman and penning down a fairy tale. Zhang Wan has the detail. With the part of Yangtze River passing through the city, Chongqing in southwest China has been a transportation hub of great importance since the ancient times. By the end of the 19th century, foreign settlers crowded into the town. In 1902, a French naval officer built a European-style barracks on the south bank of the river, which is named as Oldenfort by the locals. For today's younger generation, this kind of Western architecture is not uncommon. But for Hong Ying, a post-60s writer who was born and raised in Chongqing. This fort-like building used to symbolize a secretive, exotic, and mysterious world during her childhood. You can say this is a castle. It's a white castle. When I was very little, maybe four or five years old, each time when I pass this castle, I can't get in because it's closed. 
until four years ago, I take my daughter Wendar. Everything just like I imagination. I immediately think about some story. In the evening, my daughter went to bed and I tell her his story. And my daughter is really like it about the young boy save her mother and use the magic. I think it's a love story. My daughter said, why don't you tell other children? That's why I write down this is my fourth book about the children. Written in a poetic and dreamlike style, the book The Girl from the French Fault follows the adventure of a fatherless Chongqing boy named Sang Sang during the 1970s. After saving a pigeon from a cat, he met a little girl on the shore, and she took him to the Naval Fault, a deserted historical site that had been closed for many years. When he stepped inside, the once cobweb-covered building was blazed with light and numerous fragrant flowers. In this heavenly and marvelous place, the boy enjoyed a banquet and met the crews from the French warship Lafayette, which allegedly sunk in the Yangtze River many years ago. But the story is not all about childlike fantasy and joy. It's also shrouded with realistic sadness. After spending one night at the fort, Sang Sang went back home and found out he had been away for almost half a year, and his mother had died. Thankfully, the writer was kind enough to give a magic feather to the boy and let him to change the seemingly fixed destiny of everyone. Flipping through the pages, prudent readers would realize that the tale is not just an allegory of virtue being rewarded, but also a pin to the power of innocence and a self-searching journey. I think this story is for both children and adults, because when I write it, I just tell the story for my daughter. But I thinking also for myself, San San, this young boy, is very kind, very generous, and brave. Want to change his fate. I just want to return my childhood. That's why I encourage San San in this book. Apart from the story, readers can also be mesmerized by the 25 exquisite illustrations. Drawn by Cherry Denman, an accomplished British illustrator and an old friend of the writer, the pictures capture the elegance of Chongqing, the stunning beauty of the French fault, and the mysterious flair instilled in the story. From the Chinese-style ceremonial archway to the slum in South Chongqing, every nook and cranny is drawn in vivid details, which makes it hard to believe that the illustrator has never visited the city. Demand admits that drawing something about China is not so easy. The imagery in China is so strong, so strong, and the design is so strong. But I'm sort of slightly worried that sort of it's a bit too European. It's very hard for me to make them Chinese. So I try and. So they're a weird hybrid. But I mean, also Chinese faces were very hard for me to draw at first. They're completely different to European faces. So sometimes pictures are inaccurate because you need to have it as a device. So you know, I always think you have to forgive the illustrator a little bit. But、um, but you know, the whole thing about Chinese art—it's not what you put in; it's what you leave out. But she's grateful for Hong Ying to help her out. This is the first time I've done it like this with a proper Chinese author. So it's a great responsibility. Can I just say it's terrifying? Okay, because if it's just me, it's fine. I do what I like. It's fine. When you're working with someone else, you think so. It's it's really double trouble, but it's fun and it's it's good discipline. It's it's interesting. Hong Ying gives me everything, absolutely everything, and she pushes me to places I haven't been for a long time. 
Since its release, *The Girl from the French Fault* has received great success in the market and has been selected as one of the most popular children's books by Amazon. But Hong Ying and Cherry Diamond are not going to stop right here. Focusing on the growth of the protagonist Sang Sang and the legend of the Ba Kingdom, an ancient Chinese kingdom located in today's Chongqing, this Sino-UK partnership is ready to produce more illustrated fairy tales. That was Zhang Wan introducing us to Chinese-British author Hong Ying's book, *The Girl from the French Fort*. On that note, it's time to wrap up today's show. Don't forget that there are always more interesting happenings in the literary world, and we will try our best to keep you posted. To learn more about China, you can follow our Facebook account China Plus, or simply download our podcast by searching the keywords "ink and quill" on iTunes. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host Yang Yong. See you next week.